How many of you here have ever thought, if God shows you something, I can't do that? Who am I? How in the world am I going to do that? You know, um, who here? Anybody? Or God ever shown you something bigger than you that you thought, you know, that's kind of impossible for me, God? Ask somebody else. <laughs> well, if God spoke it, if God has asked you to do something, he's revealed something to you by his spirit, whether that's start a business or whether that's be a parent or whether that's uh, get married or whether that's um, be in the ministry or do something specific in the ministry. If God spoke it, he's equipped you and he's called you to do it. Amen. And so it's not really, and we're going to get into this, but it's not really about whether we can or can't. How many of you believe he can? He can. Amen. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Um, for some, you know, a lot of times, and this is something, one of my personal ones, is writing a book. He told me many years, I'm just kind of confessing to you, he told me many years to write a book, many years ago, 10 plus years ago. And it's still the same, same book, and it's still the same, um, you know, direction for the book. And um, I did start it finally in obedience last year. I've written six chapters but for the longest time, the reason it took me so long is like, what do I have to share? Who am I? But Lord, I haven't reached that point yet or whatever. And he's like, well, I've already written your story and you do walk in that. Or you could, he, he could say to you, but I've already, I've created you. I know what I put on the inside of you. So you can do that. And that's what we need to realize is our confidence doesn't necessarily need to be in ourselves but in him. We need to have confidence in him and in what he has to say to his body, to his church. Amen? And so um, as I studied the word, and, and this just kept coming out. It came a little bit out in your message. It came a little bit out in, in the things Annie shared on Friday night. Um, he's been speaking to me um, through my study. And I, as I study the word of God, there's really nobody in the word of God, that was called by God, that felt like they could do it on their own. And there's a reason for that. He doesn't want you to do it on your own. He doesn't want you. He wants you to be totally and completely dependent upon him. Because then he'll get the glory. Then he'll get the glory. Paul said when he's weak, and I'm going to share that too, but when he, when he felt his weakest, he, he had this revelation that the Lord gave him, when I'm weak, then you're strong. So I can boast that I can't do it because you can do it. And that's what God's saying to his church today. You can do it. You have what it takes to do what he's called you to do to be who he's called you to be. God is getting ready. Um, I don't know if this is going to feed back every time I go, but God is getting ready um, to, to, to stir up some things in the church, in the body, and even today. And I, I heard the Lord say, as we were worshiping, I heard the Lord say, this church has turned a corner. And then all of a sudden, Holly texts me and said, God's turned an ear to us. God's turned an ear to us. Amen. And so the Father desires for us to worship him in spirit and in truth. 
and, and we've started to worship him, not from just words of a song. And it's fine to sing the words of the song, but if it's from your heart, if it's truly a prayer and a song from your heart, you mean it. He knows when you mean it. And when he hears us in one accord, mean it from the bottom of our hearts that, that to worship you I live. To worship you, I live, I live to worship you. And you're not just saying the words, but you're meaning it from the bottom of your heart. It turns his ear, and he just loves that, and he just receives that. And so God is, is doing some things here, and we've just turned a corner. Yeah. I heard it in the spirit. We've turned a corner, and we can see it. We can feel it. The last two weeks, we've turned this corner, and um, the prevailing prayer of a righteous man availeth much and produces powerful results. Results are happening because of your prayers. Amen? Hallelujah. So as I study the word, I see over and over and over again people who are called by the Lord, who God... Uh, gives an angel appearance to, who God himself appears to, who um, he speaks a word of the Lord from a, a, just a great prophet, yet they still say, but Lord, I can't. But Lord, who am I? How could I do this? Every single time. And he needs us to realize is, well, first of all, if he's called you, he's equipped you. Do we think that he makes mistakes? Because to question him telling you something would be like, oh, Lord, you kind of made a mistake there. It's that person. No, don't let him pass you up. <laughs> He's called you by name. He's ordained you to do certain things for his glory. And so every single time, they were like, Lord, I can't do that. But every single time, his grace, his strength, his power is made perfect in their weakness. They questioned their own ability, but that's not what it's about. It's about his ability. Yeah. It's Christ in us, the hope to bring him glory. His power is perfect when we're weak. So it's okay if you're weak. Because then he could be made perfect in you. I remember... A couple of the, the weakest points, meaning like physically weakest, or even emotionally drained, weakest point in my life. And then I'd have to go speak and, and, and do a service. And man, oh man, did the Holy Spirit move. And I thank God that I get that word that was given to Paul. He was like, Lord, let this cup pass from me. Lord, not today, you know. And I remember when the Lord's showing me, because he shows me a vision, and then I walk it out, showing me, and I had the flu, and, and I felt like I was hit by a truck. And I was, my dad was out of town. I was in the back uh, office praying, Lord, I ask you for your grace and strength and whatever. I made my way out in, like, the third song. Okay, I can do this in Jesus. And all of a sudden, I just start, start worshiping, and I see a vision of a prayer line. I'm at my weakest point. And I said, oh, Lord, no. <laughs> I can preach, but I'm not going to do that. And I got the biggest scolding. I've never gone back there, by the way. But I got the biggest scolding. I mean, I not audibly, but that inner audible scolding of the Holy Spirit. You're just the vessel. In other words, it doesn't matter how I feel about myself. Christ is always big on the inside of you. Hallelujah. 
He doesn't get bigger or smaller depending on who you are. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He's in you. That's where our dependency is. That's where we should, our confidence should be. So I got scolded. And then there's been other times where I'm like emotionally, we've gone through some things, and I have to get up here. You know, like um, my mom and dad passed away, and I had to get up here. And man, uh, beforehand, oh, did not feel like it. Actually, when my mom passed away, I was calling Clayton, and I was telling Pastor Nick, be ready. And I was like, probably not going to be there. I showed up at 10.15. Not 5-2. <laughs> I should have had 10-15. Okay, Lord, because he gave me a fresh word from heaven. Okay, Lord, I'll let you use my vessel. Because it's not me. It's not about you. It's just about you yielding your vehicle for the one who's driving it or supposed to be driving it. The one who lives on the inside of your vehicle. He's got the power he will turn you and direct you to whichever way you need to go. And he will show you the things that you need to do and speak to you the things that you need to say. It's just that our reliance needs to stop being on ourselves and stop looking at your failures and your, your, what you feel is your inadequacies or what you feel is the amount of wisdom you have because he's all wisdom. He's all knowledge. And he lives on the inside of you. Hallelujah. It's not about how can I do that. I know, and I see it in the word, this, and there's a reason God put it in the word. This is a misconception. This is a, this is a, a plan of the enemy to derail, detour, and hinder the purpose and plan of God for God's people. That's why, and, and the devil's that stupid that he keeps using the same trick. The Bible says that we are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So gain this knowledge today. The devil has no new tricks. And what he will do when, as soon as God says, you're called to do this, as soon as God starts revealing his plan, the devil will come in and say, mm, I don't think you can do that. <laughs> I don't think you're up for it. I don't think that you're ready for that. You don't have enough wisdom knowledge. You don't have enough experience. Clayton's Uncle Dave is just amazing. He kind of overwhelms me a little bit. I mean, he knows to read and speak Greek and Hebrew, and, and oh, my goodness. Um, he wanted to, like, grab my attention a little bit, and so he was sitting down showing me this, this Bible app and showing me how he teaches his lessons, and, and this is how you can study the Greek and the Hebrew. And this is just so far beyond my understanding, knowledge, wisdom. Here and there, the Lord will have me study a word. <laughs> but this is his calling. This is what he's called to do. And God's equipped him. I'm sure at one point I'd like to ask him. I didn't get to. Um, did you ever feel like you couldn't? Because that's the first misconception. If you can get past that and say God can. Then it's, I'm not going to say it's smooth sailing from there. But then just realize it's not about if you can. It's about he can. It's about you allowing him to do and move through you. So all through the word, you hear people say, but who am I? I'm too young. Who am I? I'm too old. Who am I? I don't have that kind of knowledge. Go ask so-and-so. Or we'll look at somebody that we respect and we honor 
and see what they've accomplished and say, I could never. Well, they couldn't have either except for God. They needed God to do that. And so God's placed on the inside of each and every one of you talents, abilities. And, and that's why I believe he was calling your son, Brandon, and, and her niece, uh, Shelly, because he's calling them in, and Ethan and Natalie, for such a time as this, because he's placed on the inside of all of us something for now. And the enemy deceives, and he tries to detour, derail, and hinder God's purpose. The word of God says that his plans and his purposes will prevail. They will be accomplished. Hallelujah. So the devil, John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I came that you might have life. God infused life. God infused talents, abilities, power. Yes. We're not dependent on just this body. This is just the vehicle in which God lives. Hallelujah. So let him live. Let him breathe. Let him move through you. To say, Lord, I can't do that is to say, God, you're not going to use my vessel. What? You're a child of God. Let him use you. Don't question when he tells you something. Say, here I am, Lord, use me. I surrender my vehicle, I surrender my vessel to be used by you. Now, we're not all called to do the same thing, so don't be all getting nervous. Um, Jeff went to Bible school. I'm going to use Jeff for an example. And people assume Bible school means you're going to be a preacher. Well, Jeff ducked out. I don't know if he's back there, but Jeff ducked out on the sermon day at school. He opted to not pass that class. <laughs> He probably could do it. I think anybody could do it, but he knew that wasn't his strength. However, God's anointed him to do all kinds of other stuff, right? And so we're all called to do all kinds of different kinds of things, all kinds of different abilities. He'll sometimes give dreams. Um, I had a dream about Julie um, many, a couple years back, and it was about um, Julie doing the social media for Jim Hockaday. I mean, specific. And when I had it, she was just kind of doing a little bit here and there for us. And, uh, you know, I mean, she's good at it. She never went to school for it or anything like that. But she went to Bible school to, to yield to the Holy Spirit. And so God will use all kinds of different kinds of giftings to support the work of the ministry. Well, I had this dream, and she's working for us and, and helping us and everything like that. But um, I had this dream, and I shared it with her. And then pff, three, four years after the dream... Jim Hockaday's here with his wife, sitting across the table from me, kind of complaining and telling us uh, kind of what a mess his social media situation is. And I decide to tell him about my dream. And guess who works for Jim Hockaday now? Julie. Now, if you would have told her back in... Bible school, that she'd be working for her professor, who we very highly esteem and look up to him and all this, she'd be like, I can't do that, <laughs> right? But God knows what he's put on the inside of you. Hallelujah. And that wasn't even in my notes, but God is bringing it out. Hallelujah. So don't say, 
who am I? Don't say, I can't do that. If God told you to, to give or to bless or to um, bless somebody and give them a, a handshake and you're like, but that's my rent. You know, and, and I'm just saying, if God tells you, don't just make something up. If God tells you to do something, he wants provision to come to you. And he says, give and it shall be given. He wants to bring more into your life. Right? So don't question what God says. It's always about bringing him glory when he asks you to do something or asks you to walk out something. Let's look at Moses for a second. I'm not going to read the whole passage. If you want to go and study it, you know, from top to bottom, write down Exodus 3. But Exodus 3.11, Moses protested to God when God, I mean, here he is, encountering the Lord at a burning bush that is talking to him. I mean, supernatural. Like, you would think God's appearing face to face with you telling you to do something that you'd be like, yes, Lord, I know I can do it because you just appeared to me. But his response is not that at all. His response is, but Moses protested to God, even after having this supernatural encounter. Who am I to appear to Pharaoh? Now, mind you, he knew Pharaoh. Of all people, he would be the one to say, oh, okay, Lord, I know him and I know how he works and blah, blah, blah. But no, he even still felt, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Egypt? That's how he felt. He ends up yielding, but he protests even up to the last point and says, I can't talk fluently. I can't do that. And the Lord was kind of mad. That he didn't believe or trust what he was fully saying, that he could do this. Finally, the Lord uh, adjusted some things, not his perfect plan, because God would have gotten more glory by using a stutterer. God would have gotten more glory. But he goes ahead and he allows him to take his brother Aaron to speak for him because he felt nervous because of his inadequacy. We're never going to think we're enough. But we need to believe and have faith that he is enough. You're never going to think you're ready. But he already has what it takes to do that thing. So finally, Moses says, I'll go. But he protests, and God gives him his brother to speak for him, not God's perfect will. God knew Moses was more than able because he, he was with him. He called him to do something. You think God's going to call you and give you an assignment to do that he hasn't equipped you for? Is he mean? Is he cruel in that kind of way? No. He's not in to embarrass you. He's in it to bring the Father glory. And so he knows what he's up to. I think specifically, if he knows you can't do it, that you're going to have to depend on him. Hallelujah. <laughs> and actually, almost every time he has asked me to do something, like, for instance, speaking to you, I don't know if you have a son, but he asked me to do something, I'm like, okay, Lord. 
and I've never like really gotten names. I did get a name one time in a mall before, but I've never really done the whole name thing, like who's so-and-so, you know? But I was like, and it kept coming back to me. I'm like, okay, Lord, because he really, it was impressing it upon my heart. But it's him who wants to do that thing. And that's the thing is you're never going to fully feel like doing something because it's really not you, it's him. You're yielding your vessel. Just get it out of your head that you're the driver of your car. <laughs> you're just the vessel. You are the hands and feet and mouthpiece of the Lord Jesus Christ who no longer is, is walking beside us, but he is living in us by his spirit. In him, we live and we move and we have our being. This is what life is about. It's not about our fleshly desires. It's not about just going to the fair, which is great. It's fun to go to the fair, to go to the baseball game. He's given us things to enjoy, okay? But it's not about that. It's about bringing him glory with what he created you for. That's where true fulfillment comes. So Moses, I mean brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, parted the Red Sea, bringing them into that land of promise, um, a long-awaited promise, mind you. And he heard these prophecies before. I mean, these prophecies about the Deliverer were coming from 400 years ago. And then to hear that the Lord's saying it to you. Imagine hearing a prophecy for 400 years and then finding out it's you. He didn't know that till he's, I don't know how old was he, when he heard from the Lord. It wasn't, he wasn't the spring chicken. <laughs> I mean, he already had a life. He was a shepherd. He had moved a long away from Egypt. I mean, that was all behind him, he thought. But it was for such a time as this. There's some things that you've gone through to prepare you for such a time as this. Joseph went through some things to prepare him for such a time as this. All along, even though circumstances looked, 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 uh, looked con contraflict, con man, why can I talk? I could do it, Jesus' name. Contrary, thank you. Even though circumstances looked contrary to what it should look like, God's word, his promise prevailed. Kind of like the word you gave. So what we need to understand is it's not about who we are and what we can do. It's about who he is and what he can do through you. Through you. What he can accomplish through you. What he speaks to you he can accomplish through you. Amen? What we need to do is have faith in his word and who he is and realize his ability abides within us. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, do you realize, are you aware, because we need to have this awareness, your body, this flesh, this thing, is the temple of, or the vehicle, or the vessel 
of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. That's where the correction came. The minute you give your heart and life to Jesus, it belongs to him to use for his Father's glory. It's to be lived for him. So if he asks you to do something, you say, yes, Lord. I might not feel like I can, but I know you can. So I say, yes, Lord, use me. Just give me grace. Just show me what to do. Give me that knowledge and wisdom. He'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. You do not belong to yourself. We need to realize that. But the Spirit of God lives in us. Psalms 139.13 says, For you were create, for you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So if he knit us together, he knows every cell we needed, every nerve and, and every bone and every fragment and every organ. I mean, he has so much knowledge. He, he made this thing to live and breathe. <laughs> Don't you think he knows which ones he has put abilities on the inside of? Do you think that he would mess that up by saying, I've called you to be a prophet to the nation? By saying, I've called you to be an author. I want you to be the best mother or, or husband or, or child of God that you can be. You know, you can. For some people, they think it's hard to be a child of God. And that's why I say that. They struggle with their flesh. But realize, Christ is in you. And he has overcome the world for you. So just yield to him. Because your vessel's not your own. You were bought with a price. Now your life belongs to God to be lived for his glory. Hallelujah. Should we question the creator's creation? Should we question the creator's ability to use his own creation? Because that's what we're doing when we say, Lord, I can't. We need not question if he's speaking to us by his spirit. And here again in Jeremiah 1, another, um, in this situation, he's a young man. I, I don't know if he's like a teenager, a preteen, um, if he's in his 20s, I'm not sure. But he's young and he feels young. He feels inadequate. He feels like he hasn't accomplished enough in life to be doing this very big thing that God has spoken to him. So in Jeremiah 1.5, he starts off, before I shaped you in the womb, God say, saying this to him, I knew all about you. I knew what I put on in the inside of you, he's saying. Before you saw the light of day, I had plans for you to be a prophet to the nations. That's what I had in mind for you. That's a big reveal. That's a big undertaking. However, God wasn't asking him to go out and just to trip over his words and to... to just grab people and speak over them. No, he was saying, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be speaking to you, and you just go ahead and say what I say. Speak what I speak. You're the one I choose to speak through to this nation. 
In Jeremiah um, 1, 4 through 10, I'm going to read it in context here. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And, and for you, it might be he's called you to do something different. But for him, he's a young man and he's hearing from the Lord very clearly, yet he questions it. He questions his ability. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know. Again, he says, I don't know how to speak. Sounds like Moses. And besides that, I'm too young. So he puts these, his failures, what he thinks is his failures, his inadequacies out there for the Lord to remind the Lord, you made an imperfect creation here. Because that's what we're saying when we question if God can do something through us, or when we put it off, I can't do that. In other words, you're saying, I don't think you could do that through me. God knew. He knows who he's talking to. He's not making a mistake. I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, mm -mm. you're not allowed to say that. Don't say that. Don't say you're too young. For you must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you to. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I have appointed you over the nations and over kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy, overthrow, to build, and to plant. So, what is this? this? This feeling of insecurity, this feeling of inadequacy, this, this, this bombardment of thoughts that tries to come to each and every single one. You're not alone. Everybody has this happen. You could probably ask um, Kenneth Hagin or, or Kenneth Copeland. I'm sure of it. If it happened to Moses, Jeremiah, it happened to them. The enemy is trying to detour, derail, and hinder the plan and purpose of God. But we need to have confidence not in ourselves, but in who he is. And his ability. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's never, he's never asked us to do it on our own. Because he knows it's his power that is made perfect in our weakness. Amen. And then it's for the glory of the Lord. We got to remember, we're just the vessel. We're to be co-workers together with God, allowing him to speak through us, allowing him to move through us, allowing him to use our vehicle to drive our car. <laughs> we're not alone. Hallelujah. Sometimes, too, the enemy can try to come and detour us. Um, we're talking about you have what it takes, okay? You've got, you got this. You've got what it takes. Um, but sometimes God will reveal a plan to us and it seems kind of big and, and we, we don't pray about it and we don't hide it in our hearts um, and we open our big mouths and tell some people. And he never told us to tell some people. And they're not on board with it. They make fun of us. Or they're in doubt. And anything they say then is planted by the enemy to try to, maybe you were confident about it, and that's why you were excited to share it. 
think about it. Mary had to hide some things in her heart. I wonder why some people would have thought she was crazy and would have planted seeds of doubt and unbelief and, and whatever. So she had to hide. She was instructed to hide these things. When God speaks or releases a word, I mean, I understand if it's in front of a, a, a congregation. But when God speaks and releases a word to you and he says some things to you, have wisdom. Unless God says to say it, don't say it. Keep it to yourself and let God prove it out. Not because you're ashamed, not because you don't believe, but because you don't need seeds of doubt being planted by anybody else. And I think you're saying that's good because it's happened. We've all had that happen, and it's just because we're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. We're simply, we believe what God's saying, and we're excited about it. But we need to understand, we need to hide these things in our heart and let him show uh, who we're allowed to say it to because we want to say it to someone who's going to build our faith regarding it, you know? Look at this. This is where it happens like that. And, and again, it's the same, same thing. It's the same enemy who's planting these seeds of doubt. He, he starts off real good, Joseph, and he hears from the Lord in Genesis 3, 7, um, 37, 5 through 11. One day Joseph told his brothers what he had dreamed, and they hated him even more. They already hated him. They already despised him for being their dad's favorite. They hated him even more. Joseph said, but let me tell you about my dream. We were out in the field trying, um, tying up bundles of wheat, and suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles gathered around and bowed down to me, my bundle. His brothers asked, do you really think, I mean, they must have knew dreams were a thing. They must have knew that there was weight on dreams. By the way, there is. We taught about it not too long ago. Anyways, so they interpret his dream correctly, actually. And they say this. Do you really think you're going to be king and rule over us? Now they hated Joseph even more because of what he said about his dream. Joseph later had another dream. You'd think he'd learn the first time, but he doesn't. <laughs> Maybe he should have said, Lord, what do you want me to do with this, this knowledge? Maybe we should have said that. <laughs> Let's learn from the example here, okay? So Joseph later had another dream, and he told his brothers again, listen to what else I dreamed. The sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed down to me. When he told his father about his dream, his father becomes angry and says, what is this supposed to mean? Are your mother and I and your brothers all going to come bow down to you? Joseph's brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept wondering. So his father knew he might have heard from the Lord, kept wondering about this dream. Now Joseph legitimately heard from the Lord. He's excited. He believes it. He doesn't know how it's going to happen, but he believes it. And he tells the wrong people. The enemy starts by trying to detour, derail, and trying to hinder the fact that, that he's got what it takes to do what God's called him to do. He believes what God's saying, and he's excited about it, and he goes and tells his brothers and his father and all people that supposed to be, they're supposed to be loving him and believing him and, and encouraging him and his gifts and his callings. Now, this is a big thing that God's showing them. And whatever God says is big. Whatever God does is supernatural. Whether it's a still small voice or a visitation from Jesus, it's all supernatural. 
All of it. Anyways, and so he has this dream. Two dreams. And they're both saying the same thing. Your family's going to bow down to you. You're going to be some kind of ruler, and they're going to come bow down to you. Um, now they get angry. And the brothers throw him, and they sell him. And it sure looks like God's purpose and God's plan is totally hindered. How many of you have ever heard that scripture, God can cause all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. When God has a purpose in mind, there isn't anything that he can't adjust to make sure his plan and purpose will prevail. The enemy sure tried. I mean, he's thrown in prison. He's a slave. But God's plan prevailed. What God spoke to Joseph sure didn't look like. It didn't look like he was equipped or even on the right path to becoming any kind of, of lord or king or, you know, anybody in charge. But we know the story that a famine happens. He's receiving dreams and, and, and visions and revelations and interpretations to where he gets promoted because of these giftings that God's placed on the inside of him. Who would have ever thought hearing from God could promote you? It wasn't a natural ability that, that caused him to be in his place. It was his relationship with the Lord. It was hearing from heaven. And it was believing that God can do this through me. Don't question how, where, or when, when God's speaking to you. Let him prove that out. But just believe. Just have faith. Yes, Lord, you can do that through me. I yield to you. I surrender to you. You can use my vessel. Whether you feel like you're on the right track or not, I'm sure the enemy tried to come against him in those years. I mean, years between his brother selling him into slavery and the promise of God being fulfilled. Little did he know that being thrown, that God could turn that around and being thrown into jail for a, a, a lie of the enemy... <laughs> that he was trying to get with the king's wife or Pharaoh's wife or whatever, would actually cause promotion in the long run. God certainly can turn things around to cause his purpose to prevail. Hallelujah. And he equips us to do whatever he calls us to do. So our confidence needs to be in him and what he has spoken, not in what we feel or what it looks like. I mean, Moses too. I mean, let's not be like the Israelites and start off believing God. And, and I, mean, I mean, they believed it before they could see it. And now it's here right in front of them. And they're like complaining about bread, complaining about too much bread, complaining about, you know, everything. Yeah, too much quail. Send us back to slavery. At least we had this and that. And 
The Bible doesn't really tell us all that Joseph went through, but I'm sure there was opportunities to be discouraged from the plan of God. There was opportunities and, and bombardments of the enemy. But I'm telling you this to say, be encouraged that just because it looks like, like we talked about the path of breakthrough last week, just because it looks like it's not going to come to pass doesn't mean it isn't going to come to pass. If God spoke it, he'll make it good. His plans and purposes will prevail. He watches over his word to perform it in your life. He knows what the enemy's up to, and he will make sure to turn it around. Just keep believing. You've got what it takes. Just keep believing. Because Christ is in you with all his power, all his ability. Zechariah 4, 6 says, he said this to me. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. What a name. <laughs> it's not by might. He felt inadequate. It's not by power, but it's by my spirit. It's by his spirit. Say, Christ is in me. His spirit is in me. And he leads me and guides me along the right path. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So in one essence, you're right if you say you can't. Because you can't. But we need to come into agreement that he can. So then you can say, I can do all things, whatever he's asking of me. It's not just about you're feeling cranky one day, um, you feel a little sick one day, and you got something to do. Oh, I can do all things through Christ. No, I'm talking about like his plans and his purposes for you. They may seem too big, too large, too grand. You don't have the knowledge even to go that direction, and, and you can't figure out how, where, or when, or what to do, or how to set your hand. Like, don't worry about it. Just say, yes, Lord. And he'll show you which path to take. Lord, I can do that thing because you strengthen me, no matter what it is. 1 John 4, 4 says, But you belong to God, dear children, and you have already won the victory over these people. It looked like they couldn't overcome because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit in this world. doesn't matter what it looks like. God's spirit is greater than anything. The enemy can try to contradict or cause circumstances. We see it turned around for Moses. We see it turn around for Joseph. We see it turn around for Daniel. Every single time the enemy tries to throw things in their path to cause them hindrance, to cause them to be detoured, to cause them to try to believe that God's not able, but he is able and he lives in you. You just must yield to him and say, yes, Lord. You can do anything you want through me. And I can do all things because you're living in me. That's Philippians 4.13. Hallelujah. Just a couple more scriptures. 2 Corinthians 12, 8-10. Paul's going through some things while he's fulfilling the plan and purpose of God. And he comes to a point where it's difficult. How many of you have ever found while doing what God's asked you to do, you've come up to some difficulty? spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, whatever. 
It's going to take faith in what God said. Well, Paul encounters some things. And he actually is in prayer, which I'm sure we've prayed. And he says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times. That's not even close to how many times I've prayed for him to take something from me. That's not even close, but he's thinking this is a big deal. Three times I prayed that he would take this thing from me, that it would depart from me. And God's response to me and says, my grace is sufficient for you. That's his power is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So go ahead and boast. Therefore, gladly boast. And Paul had an epiphany when he started to do the thing that God's asking him to do and know that even though God wasn't going to take away this trial or this situation or this, this uh, attack of the enemy, will say, um, God's like, I want to show you something in this situation. That no matter what it looks or feels like, my grace is on the inside of you. And my power works best when you feel weak. When you feel your weakest, say, oh, this is an opportunity for God's power to be made perfect in me and through me. He said, so therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in my reproaches, in my needs, in my persecutions, in my distress. This is what he's coming before the Lord about. I take pleasure in it for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, I'm strong. Even though I feel weak, God's saying, I have what it takes. Why? Because he's in you. He's with you. Amen? So God wants you to know that. You're not too young. You're not inadequate. You don't have a lack of knowledge, a lack of wisdom. He is all knowledge. He is all wisdom. He has all the power and all the strength that you need, and he lives on the inside of you. So you do have what it takes. You do have what it takes. Whatever he's asked you, he's equipped you to do. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, he says, but we have this treasure. <laughs> in our earthen vessel, this thing, you're just the vessel. What is the treasure? Jesus, his power, his glory, his spirit. You have this treasure in your earthen vessel so that the excellency, the perfection of God, of his glory, might shine through you, his power. God loves using people who think they're weak because their dependency has to be upon him. Pride comes before the fall. If you think you're adequate in yourself, you'll stumble, you'll fall. But if you feel like you're nobody, that's exactly where he needs you to be so that you'll totally, completely, 110% depend on him and his strength. Hallelujah. I have a lot more scriptures, but I just want to say this. 2 Corinthians 3, 4 through 6. The disciples, the believers, come to realize this. And they, they're, they're telling, and, and I believe God's saying this to you, his church, today. They're, they're telling us, they say, we are confident of all this, but not because we think we're great. We're confident of all this because of our great trust in God. 
through Christ. We don't think, listen, even the disciples thought this. We don't think or feel that we are qualified to do anything on our own. So it's okay. But our qualification comes from God. When God speaks something to you, your qualification doesn't come because you earn some kind of degree, even though if he tells you to get a degree, you get it, and he'll bless it. But your qualification comes when he has spoken to you and releases or stirs up a gift on the inside of you. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of the new covenant. They didn't feel qualified. But yet God called them and qualified them. He has enabled them. This is the covenant not of written laws but of the spirit. The old covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the spirit is the one who gives you the life, the ability, the power to do the very thing that God has called you to do. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. We're all called. 2 Corinthians 3.17, he says, so all of us have had the veil removed. And we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, who is the Spirit. And he makes us more and more like him, like his glorious image. Am I saying the wrong scripture? No. I felt like I was the way you were looking. You're like, um, he's doing a work in us. He's transforming us to be that person who can do that thing. It's all, all of it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You've got what it takes because you've got Jesus and his spirit and his power and his glory living on the inside of you. Say, I've got what it takes. Yes, you do. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. I, right before I close here, I just want to read. Um, this, is a, this is a tongues and interpretation that was brought to me. Um, I gave the tongues. This is a while back. I don't have the date. It was a few few months ago. Oh, here we go. It wasn't that long ago. That was that short ago? Seven? Oh, it was exactly a year. A year and like a half a month, okay? So this word was given. It was a tongues interpretation to the body or to Anne, but I believe it's for the body, Anna. It's for the body for now. I gave the tongue. She gave the interpretation. And listen to this. I believe this is, this is the word of the Lord for right now. The Lord says, I have surrendered all for you. I, and I will, and I ask, will you surrender all for me? That you would see yourself in me and I in you? That's the way it's supposed to be. I in you and you in me. We are one. Surrender all. It's worth it. It's worth it. I have great plans. I have great expectations. I have vision. I have life for each one of you to walk in. It's a walk of faith. I believe in you. Would you believe in me as I believe in you? 
For I, I mean, this is so on point. For I have created you for such a time as this. Now rise up and be who I'm calling you to be. You are mine. You are mine, beloved. I love you with an everlasting love. This love is so deep and so great. Only by my spirit will you know my love. Only by my spirit within you can you walk this love out. Know this love. Experience this love. It's not head knowledge. It comes from deep within. I put it in you. Oh, it comes from me. It's who I am. It's my character. I want to reveal myself openly to you so you can reveal me to the world. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he's calling you right now for such a time as this to let Christ live through you. So no longer should we say, I can't. But this is what it all means. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And I just believe, and, and, and I, I believe that God is stirring up the gifts of God within his church today. And, and I'm not just saying that. He's stirring up things he's placed on the inside of you. Maybe it's because you laid it aside, or maybe um, it's been laid dormant because you didn't believe it quite. But the thing is, is you don't have to have faith in yourself, but have faith in God to work through you. Just say, yes, Lord, I will. Show me how. Give me the wisdom. So, Lord, I just pray for your people. Lord, that you would stir up the gifts of God within them, Lord. Lord, that you would even bring back to their remembrance, Lord, things that you have spoken to them, things that you have deposited in them, Lord. Father, I just pray that you would fan the flame of God within them, Lord, by the power of your spirit. And, Lord, I just thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. That you're not doing it just for those you called out, Lord, today, but you're doing it to every single one of us for such a time as this so we could be used for your glory. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. Hallelujah.